just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Welcome back to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. We're headed into a weekend, maybe a respite from some of the stress, the strain, and the trauma. Hopefully that's the case. You know, I get a lot of comments and emails from people who say, I get so tired of listening to the news. It's so depressing. It's upsetting. I just don't want to hear it. And I get that. And I feel the same way. But here's what I need you to understand. This is not the time to ignore what's going on in this country. This is a time when you pay attention and you learn and you understand what's going on. You stand up, you speak up, you speak out, and you push back. I know you think you don't have any effect on anything, that what you say isn't important, but it is. To be honest, the reason we are where we are today is because of apathy. For decades, people have said the very same thing. They've said nothing. They just let the government handle it. Well, the government has handled it and see where we are now today. So unless you want things to get worse, you need to speak up, push back, be part of the narrative. Now, when I did the Rational Boomer podcast initially, people said, well, don't you want to talk to Trump Lavux? Don't you want to teach him the truth? Don't you want to point him in the right direction? My answer is always no, because these people are unteachable. They don't want to hear it. They believe the lies, and you can't take them away from the lies. They refuse to listen. So instead of wasting our times trying to talk to Trumplefox, what the Rational Boomer podcast is intended for is to bring more people of a like mind together, hopefully giving us more power and a louder voice. Will it work? I don't know, but that's all I've got at this point. That's all you've got at this point. we got to make an effort. When the end comes, we can at least say we gave it a shot. Well, as I said, I get a lot of emails, and I got an email from a young woman by the name of Jenna, and I'm going to read it to you because it's uh, very compelling. It says, Hi, Mike. It's me again, one of your loyal listeners. Thank you. I want to share a few thoughts with you. Number one, it resonated with me when you talked about your career path and the great resignation. I've been working for a liquor distributor for the past five years. I am on-premise, which means I service bars and restaurants. I don't do retail. Now, during the shutdown, instead of furloughing us like other competitors did, our company had us merchandising retail stores for hours on end with zero PPE. It's unconscionable that capitalism put me in a position to be either homeless or contracting a deadly disease. Finding a new career path with the right company has been the most difficult thing I've done to date. I'm happy to report that I... Not only did I sign the official paperwork for my new job two days ago, but I was able to resign from my current job. I landed a position with a great company that has better benefits, more of a work-life balance, and also allows me to utilize my degree. I'm sharing this with you because you basically said if you don't try, you won't get what you want, and that's true. I had so many failures, but I kept going, and it is safe to say that my future is bright. Now, there's more to the story, but I want to address that. She's absolutely right. Too many people get caught in jobs. I'm dealing with this with my son at this very moment. 
people are saying, well, I got this job. I don't like the job, but I'm afraid to go out there and try to get something else. That's what you've been trained to believe. People lack confidence. And I'll be honest with you, even if you're faking the confidence, it works so well for you. People follow people that are confident. If you're insecure, shy, unsure of yourself, you'll be left in the back. You've got to show some confidence. You've got to show some initiative. And now is the absolute best time to do it. I'm trying to tell my kid this. You're doing a job you don't like. Well, great. You've got all kinds of opportunities out there. Opportunities I've never had. Opportunities nobody's ever had. Because there's a lack of employees out there. So now employees have the leverage. You could very well go out and get a job you maybe didn't qualify two years ago for. But you can get it now because they need bodies. And let's be honest, if you go to college or trade school, that's one thing, and you learn some things, but whatever job you get, you're going to have to be trained. So whether you went to college or not, you're going to be trained specifically for that job. And if you have an aptitude for it and the desire and the motivation to do it, you will do well. This is an absolute opportunity. I understand the fear of looking for a job. I've had it, I've done it, and I've struggled with it. But I didn't have an opportunity like I have now. Unfortunately, I'm not looking for a job. But my son is, and a lot of you are. Take advantage of this opportunity. Take advantage of the leverage you have. My son was just telling me, yeah, I'm looking at this job. And it looked to be like a parallel move, a different a different business area, but a parallel move, not really improving his position and not improving his income. I go, what are you doing? This is an opportunity to make more money, to get on a path you want to be on. Do that. Don't just survive like I had to try to do when I had two kids, a house, a wife, and I was struggling. I wasn't looking for a career path, even though I found one. I was just trying to fucking survive. You don't have to try to survive. The opportunities are there. So go out there, push forward, and fucking get them. Number two, I'm a follower of yours on TikTok. My handle is JewWitchForever. (laughs) It's spelled J-E-W-W-I-T-C-H for the number and E-V-A. I uh, advise you to check her out. I don't post a lot of content because I'm in the corporate world. This makes me appreciate your content that much uh, that much more because you are free to express exactly how you feel. I trust your breakdowns and perspective on current events and politics nearly 100% of the time. There may be one or two minor things that aren't aligned, but we are all different. I used to listen to Democracy Now! daily. Now I listen to you daily. I feel that your content has less of a doom and gloom feel since you lightened it up with humor. Well, you make a good point. (laughs) There's a lot of content out there, whether it be on TikTok or on our cable news networks, that's a bunch of shit. That's not intended to give you facts or the truth about anything. I appreciate the fact that you watch my TikToks, and I really appreciate the fact that you listen to the podcast. And you make an interesting point. This is a point I've made before. We all know we have a First Amendment right. But I believe I'm one of the few people that actually gets to exercise that First Amendment right. 
Now, in doing a podcast, I, I thought about having a partner on. In fact, I would have preferred it because it would have been easier to play off somebody else. But here's the problem. Who do you get? Who can commit the time I can commit to it? And who can come on here and listen to the things I say or say the things they want to say without some kind of retribution from a, a boss, from a family member, whatever? It's impossible for people to step up and speak their mind because they have other things they have to deal with. I don't have that. So I appreciate the interest in wanting to say the things I say or the things you want to say. But if you can't, hopefully I can speak for you. And I don't mean that like I'm above you. I just have an opportunity that a lot of people don't have because I don't give a fuck. I don't have a boss. My family knows better than to try to shut me up. So I have my full First Amendment rights, but I believe I'm one of a few people in this country that really have that opportunity. They have somebody to answer to. I don't have anybody to answer to. Now, I will say this. When it comes to the podcast, when it comes to the TikToks, I have nobody to answer to. But if I'm in the house and the kitchen's dirty, yeah, I got somebody to answer to. And she's the only person I'm truly afraid of. (laughs) So I appreciate your comments there, uh, Jenna. Number three, I'm a Jewish woman living in this world. It is absolutely sickening that these obstructionists and their followers are likening anything to the Holocaust. While I know that you're done with Whoopi Goldberg, she is absolutely incorrect, as you know. The Holocaust was solely about race. In undergrad, I took a course in world religions. We learned that Judaism is an ethnicity as well as a race. Done and done. I look forward to more of your excellent work. I thank you for all you do and wish you all the best. Sincerely, Jenna. Thank you very much. There's a big argument. Is uh, is uh, the Jewish faith, is it a race? Is it an ethnicity? Is it a religion? What is it? It doesn't really fucking matter because what it's really about is hate. It doesn't matter what somebody hates in a person. It's the fact that they're expressing that hate. Whether they be Jew, whether they be black, whether they be Hispanic, whether they be an old white man like me. Hate is hate is hate. If we are all people, equal people, then hate is equal too. Whether you hate somebody that's black or white, it's still fucking hate. And then if you hate people because of the color of their skin or their their uh, sexual orientation or their religion, it's fucking stupid. That makes no goddamn sense. So, Jenna, thank you very much for the letter. I appreciate it. I encourage everybody else who has questions, comments, stories, what have you, I want to hear them. Because, again, the Rational Boomer podcast is about all of us. It's about bringing people of a like mind. I'm the one that's doing the talking on the podcast and the TikToks. But there's a lot of people out there that are much smarter than I am, have interesting points to give. And I'm starting to see them now in the emails. And I'm happy to give that information out. Now, Jenna might have had trouble saying that in her life, wherever she is. But I can say it for her. And I'm happy to do it because she makes excellent points. The email I had the other day. Those were excellent points, and maybe that person doesn't feel comfortable talking about it, but I do. So send it to me. Let me talk about it. I won't give out your last name. I won't give out any name if you don't want me to, but I need to see people expressing their opinions, their ideas, 
because there's a lot of them out there. There's more than just me. I'm just a conduit, I think. I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of stirring the pot here, getting people worked up to think, yeah, I believe that or I don't believe that. This is the point of what I'm trying to do with the Rational Pot Boomer Podcast. Get people to be passionate about what they believe, to speak up and speak out. And if you can't, send it to me. I'll fucking do it in a minute. All right, let's talk about some of the news that is going on. We've got uh, Donald Trump tearing up government documents, shredding government documents, burning government documents, flushing said documents down the toilet, even stealing documents. It's a clear violation of the Presidential Records Act. Now, you keep hearing that. You keep hearing that all the time. But what, in fact, does that act say? How close is it to what Donald Trump did? Well, I'm going to read part of it to you so you can get a real sense. This is 18 U.S. Code 2071, and it reads as such. Who, now, i got to give you a warning ahead of time. I was amazed when I wrote this down when I transcribed it. This is the fucking longest sentence I've ever read in my life. I don't know if English was a part of them creating these codes, but this is like a fucking paragraph, which is one sentence. So bear with me here. Whoever willfully and unlawfully conceals, removes, mutilates, obliterates, or destroys, or attempts to do so, or with intent to do so, um, takes and carries away any record, proceeding, map, book, paper, document, or other thing filed or deposited with any clerk or officer in any court of the United States or in any public office or with any judicial or public officer of the U.S. shall be fined under the title of um, title or imprisoned, not more than three years. It also states anyone that does this will forfeit their office if they're currently in office and will be disqualified from any future office. Seems like a no-brainer to me what he did, what we know Donald Trump did, and what the code says is an absolute slam dunk. It's a fucking no-brainer. He violated it. He violated it. Now, what you need to understand about this is in addition to all those crimes, um, in the documents that he took home to Mar-a-Lago, there were classified documents, top secret documents. That's a whole nother crime. And what you also have to understand about these crimes, these were written with the idea that somebody might find a piece of paper and shred it and get rid of it, or two pieces of paper. One person might get a file and get rid of it. They never had any idea that somebody, a president of the United States, would take this volume of documents and destroy them. That's an entirely different situation. That's like the difference of killing one person and then doing a mass killing. One is worse than the other, in spite of the fact that both are fucking bad. And that's what Donald Trump did here. Now, I've heard people say, well, I'm not sure he's going to be prosecuted for it. Really, motherfucker? If you have uh, codes and laws 
and you don't enforce them regardless of who is uh, suspected of committing these crimes, then why have the fucking code? Why enforce it at all? See, here's the thing. If I worked in a government office, say I worked in the, I don't know, in the White House for that matter, I was a low-level grunt worker, and I took a piece of paper that said I was doing a shitty job, and I took that paper and I tore it up and I hid it. If I got caught doing that, you bet I would be fucking indicted, investigated, prosecuted, and convicted in a fucking instant because I'm a nobody. But because the president of the United States did this in such a large volume, they're saying, well, I don't know. know." The DOJ has a big problem here because this is a flagrant, blatant violation of the code multiple times. You see, he took 15 boxes out of the White House and brought them to Mar-a-Lago. Each one of those boxes is a violation. Each one of those boxes carry a fine and up to three years in prison and also disqualifies him from ever running for office again. Not to mention all the stuff that happened in the White House, the tearing up the uh, papers, the shredding of the papers, the burning of the papers, the flushing of the papers down the toilet. Each one of these is a fucking violation. It's not just one document that some nobody tore up and threw away. Again, If it were me, Mr. Nobody, I'd be in jail already. But because it's the former president of the United States, they got to think twice about it. Which flies in the face of what Merrick Garland has always said, no one is above the law. Well, if you don't investigate, indict, and prosecute this case against the former president of the United States, what you're saying about no one is above the law is absolute bullshit. And if you're lying to the citizens of this country, you need to be fucking gone. You don't understand the job. They're all worried about the political aspects of this, and people will make it political, and the Republicans will scream, and and then when the Republicans have the power, they'll do the same thing to the next president, and it'll be a shit show. Yes, that's true. That is a serious concern. But these are so flagrant. If you don't act on these, if you don't investigate, indict, and prosecute, You just make this whole act, this Presidential Records Act, unenforceable. And anybody who comes along in the presidency, who sits in the Oval Office, will have the right to do this because they know you won't do a fucking thing about it. So the whole idea of preserving documents and sending them to the archives will be pointless. Why even have a National Archives if nobody has to keep everything in the Oval Office, in the White House? So this is a huge problem. This is a huge problem for the DOJ. They're caught between a rock and a hard place. They don't want to be political. But to be perfectly honest with you, if they don't act on what Donald Trump did, that's going to be even more political. The Democrats are going to scream. The general public is going to scream. The 75% of this country that believes something should be done are going to be after Merrick Garland's head. And when they can't get to Merrick Garland, they're going to go after Joe Biden. And Joe Biden's going to have to fire Merrick Garland to get somebody else in there. But in the process, it all takes time. That's the real problem here. Everything takes time. Merrick Garland and the DOJ is getting hit from every side for prosecuting things. This is the problem with Donald Trump. 
And this is the problem that Donald Trump has. He's got too much to handle. He's got too much on his plate. He can't juggle everything. But it's also causing some chaos in the Department of Justice. They've got investigations and referrals from here, referrals from there, referrals from the Congress, referrals from the National Archives. They can only handle so many things, and that's what they'll tell us. So a lot of things won't get done. Here's how I want you to look at this. It does not matter if Donald Trump gets indicted for everything he's done. It does not matter. What on, what, the only thing that really matters is he gets indicted for one thing. Just one thing. That's enough to take down Donald Trump. So when people sit back and they say, oh, nothing's ever going to happen, nothing's ever going to happen, well, it's going to have to happen. There is going to be too much pressure on the Department of Justice, on Merrick Garland. Something will have to be done. And to be perfectly honest with you, this presidential records deal may be the best thing for him to go after because it's the lowest level thing. And even though it's low level, it could mean a lot of time in jail, a lot of uh, uh, fines, And most importantly, it takes him out of the equation because this crime disqualifies him from ever running for any office again. And once you do that, you take him out of the equation. He becomes even less powerful and less a factor in our politics in this country. You're seeing all these investigations and potential indictments. Don't worry about all of them. They will come when they come. We need action now. We need something happening now to affect 2022 and 2024. So this problem is so clear, so flagrant, and so easy to prosecute. I expect to see the Department of Justice maybe go after this. Because then they can act like they gave the public a win, that they actually did something. But it's kind of low level. It's maybe less political because they can prove all of this was done. There's no argument about it. He fucking did it. And the Republicans scream all they want, but they bitched about Hillary Clinton hiding emails or destroying emails. They never found anything. They never prosecuted her for it. But this is clear and obvious as to what happens. Like I say, people are crying all the time. Nothing's ever going to happen. Shut the fuck up. You've never seen anything like this in our history. No president has ever behaved like this before. We know what history has shown us with the likes of Richard Nixon and others, but this is unlike any of that. Some of this is so flagrant that it has to be attended to. Otherwise, it's going to be political in an opposite way. That's why Merrick Garland is in a tough spot. He needs to act more quickly, and he needs to act more aggressively. And as these... um, referrals keep pouring in. He's going to make a choice. Am I going to curl up under my desk and fucking do nothing? Or am I going to do at least something? Merrick Garland's not stupid. He's a pretty respectable, pretty honest guy. He's going to have to make some tough choices, but he's going to have to make those tough choices quickly. And he's going to have to do something. Otherwise, his legacy, his job, and his future are over. So we'll see what happens here. I'm going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. 
Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. On TikTok, somebody asked me, why has Mitch McConnell changed his tune with regards to the January 6th insurrection? He's saying now it was a violent insurrection. Well, he's actually changed his tune two times. You remember right after the insurrection, Mitch McConnell stood up and said, this is a violent act. This is a crime against our country and against democracy. He stood up there and said that. But then as time went by and Kevin McCarthy went down to Mar-a-Lago to bring Donald Trump back in this fucking mess, he kind of stood back. He didn't say anything. He didn't necessarily side with Donald Trump and the trump fucks, but he didn't say anything. And that's as bad as siding with these people. Now, all of a sudden, he's saying, no, it's a crime against this country. It was a violent insurrection. And this person was asking, why did he do that? Well, there's a couple of reasons why he's done it. I mean, Mitch McConnell is a horrific human being, but understand, he's pretty smart. He's been in politics a long time. He knows how this all works. He's going to cover his ass at any time he possibly can. So the RNC comes out and says it was a legal political discourse. And that didn't play well because everybody could watch it on video and see it wasn't that at all. They could see that the Republican National Committee or the Republican National Cult or the Republican National Conspiracy was lying, flat out lying. And even Mitch McConnell said, look, I, I can't I can't hang with that. That's too fucking obvious. Mitt, Mitt Romney said the same thing. And the funny thing is, uh, Rona Romney McDaniel is Mitt's niece, which is interesting. But even Mitt begged off that standpoint, censuring Kinzinger and Cheney. Um, you had a lot of Republicans kicking back about this. So why did they do that? Well, it was an obvious situation. If you stuck with that, you would look stupid. But Mitch McConnell and Mitt Romney and some of these other people are seeing that the cult is starting to crack. There's becoming a division in the Republican Party. And this is making Mitch McConnell very fucking mad. And the reason he's mad is because he knows that if this Republican Party splits like it seems to be doing, that's going to spell trouble for them in 2022 and 2024. Oh, yes, they can say, we're going to win in 2022. We're going to win. Because history tells us that, in spite of the fact that what we're dealing with now, we've never seen in history. But he knows if the Republican Party splits up and doesn't stay unified, they're going to have a lot of problems in 2022. You're going to have people voting for crazy motherfuckers on the Trump side, and then you're going to have normal Republicans voting for normal Republicans. But that splits up the Republican Party, makes them weaker, makes it harder for them to win in 2022. And they're desperate to win in 2022. They want to get back the House. They want to get back the Senate so they can continue pulling their grift that they've done for decades. But Mitch McConnell sees it as a problem. That's why he's stepping away from it. He sees this is going to come crashing down on Donald Trump and all his little Trumplefucks that follow him.
There's too much evidence coming out. There's too many news stories coming out that expose not only Donald Trump, but all the people that are connected to him, those people in Congress, those people in the Senate. When all comes out, you're going to see expulsions from Congress. You're going to see all kinds of problems of people sitting in elected office, and they will be Republicans. Mitch McConnell is seeing what Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger have seen all along. If you want to survive, you better separate yourself from these people because these people are fucking going down. And again, Mitch McConnell is smart enough and has enough insight and enough connections. Maybe he sees something big coming down the pike sometime soon. And if you see an explosion coming, you want to get as far away from it as you possibly can. And if anybody would know that and anybody would do that, that would be Mitch McConnell or Mitt Romney, who have a lot of experience in politics. It was real easy to go along with with what was being done when it was beneficial to them, when they thought they'd get votes. But now that it's falling apart, they don't want any part of it. Here's the thing we need to understand. As this cracks widens and more Republicans jump ship from the Trump fucks, We need to never forget that they were on board for a long period of time, that they are responsible for much of the destruction and disaster in this country. Even though they finally said, oh, that's a bridge too far, they are still culpable, they are still guilty, and they should be treated as such. I don't care if they change their mind completely. We don't fucking care. You did what you did. You damaged this country, and that is unforgivable. But that's why Mitch McConnell changed his tune. He actually changed it twice. He said what was right initially. Then he backed off because it was going to be beneficial to him. And now he's saying what he's saying because, again, it's beneficial to him. He sees the trouble coming, and he wants to get away from it. That's exactly what the situation is. Now, I watched this other guy. There's a guy that's been interviewed on TV a number of times, and he fucking annoys me. This is a man that marched in on the U.S. Capitol in January 6th. Now he's saying Stop the Steal is a cult. Now he's talking against all that went on. But every time I see people who do this, I feel the same way as I felt about the, uh, the Republicans who are now jumping ship. He said, I was wrong. I was totally addicted to Donald Trump. I can't imagine how that happened. Stop the steal is a cult. I want to be as far away from it. But I saw a journalist says, yeah, but you were there. But I didn't do anything illegal. I didn't do anything illegal. Then he had the audacity to look at the uh, look at the uh, um, journalist and say, well, you were there too. <laughs> Divert and distract. Project. That's what these dumb fucks do. And the lady said, well, I'm a journalist. I was just reporting what was going on there. But I was there, and you were there, and I wasn't doing anything wrong. And she explained that, well, you were part of the crowd that fucking did this. You were part of the problem. Had you not shown up, and all the other people that have alleged not to have done anything, if they hadn't shown up, this would have been a far different situation. See, this is, these are the cowards People like these Republicans that are now stepping away when it's no longer beneficial for them. And this guy, he realizes that it's all going to change. The narrative's going to change. And these people who 
crash the U.S. Capitol are going to look like they're supposed to look. They're going to look like treasonous. They're going to look like criminals. And in spite of the fact that this guy didn't go into the Capitol and maybe didn't piss on the floor, he's still fucking culpable. He's part of the whole movement that did this. And the fact that you were there makes you culpable for what happened. But he insists on trying to cover his ass. Well, I didn't do anything wrong. I just thought I would be a peaceful protester. No, you didn't, motherfucker. You were there. You saw what was going on, and you supported it. Now you want to come on TV and try to look to be a hero. Well, I'll tell you this, motherfucker. You're not a hero. You're an asshole. You're wrong with well, you're what's wrong with this country, and I'm tired of it. We're going to see a lot of this from politicians and from insurrectionist. When the ship starts sinking and it's going down for the Trumplicans and Donald Trump, and it is going down, don't make any mistake, it's fucking going down. They will jump ship and try to claim innocence. Well, I didn't do anything wrong. It's like the fucking Nazis. Well, I was just following orders. Yeah, motherfucker, but you killed 500 people. You're still guilty. You were part of it. I get very tired of seeing these people now trying to get to the other side. They were so sure. They were so adamant when they were charging the Capitol. Nothing could be true. They wouldn't listen to logic or decency or honesty. But now they see they fucked up and now they want to be absolved of this shit. Sorry. I don't know. Maybe other people will absolve you, but I won't. You're still a fucking piece of shit. And you can talk all you want against Donald Trump, but in my mind, you're a piece of shit because you did what you did. And when you do things, there are consequences. And some things are unforgivable. And what you did and what you were part of is, in my mind, fucking unforgivable. All right. We've got the thing on the Ukraine border with the Russians. This is quickly becoming a mess, and uh, it's frustrating to see. Joe Biden is now telling people that are in the Ukraine that happen to be Americans that they should get out. He's saying that uh, something with the Russians invading the Ukraine um, could go fast and get kind of crazy and dangerous. They're talking about maybe 50,000 Ukrainians dying in an invasion. This is a fucking mess. And to be perfectly honest with you, I don't think Vladimir Putin was planning to get it to this extent. He was trying to show power. He was trying to set up a negotiation. But now he's on the border of the Ukraine with 100,000 troops. And now he's got to figure out something to do, either attack and destroy his country, because all the sanctions that America and other European countries will impose on them, will essentially shut down and destroy their economy. Oh, sure, they got all kinds of nuclear weapons, but everybody's starving and the economy is shot. Vladimir Putin's not stupid enough to do that. I don't know why Joe Biden is suggesting that this is going to happen any moment and trying to dredge up the fear. Because I don't think it's going to happen. I may be wrong about that. It makes no sense now that the coverage is there. The Russians can't do anything but lose. They may be able to invade Ukraine, but they're going to fuck themselves over in the long run. Vladimir Putin 
is a war criminal, is a murderer, but he's certainly not stupid. He's not crazy like Donald Trump. Now, if Donald Trump were leading the Russian forces, I'd say fucking watch out because he'll do anything. He'll burn any bridge. He will tear everybody down around him just to look right. Now, I think Vladimir Putin has some of that in him, but he's not stupid, so he, he wouldn't kill himself just to be right. Donald Trump, Donald Trump would fucking do that in a goddamn minute. So it's interesting to see what's happening. There is a game of chicken going on here. And when I look at Joe Biden doing and saying the things he says, I have to wonder, does he really believe this is going to happen? Does he have reason to believe it's going to happen? I mean, it could happen. The Russians could do something stupid. They've done it before. But is Joe Biden just pushing the issue? Like I said, this is a game of chicken. As you come closer and closer and closer, it's a battle of nerves. Who has the least amount of nerves? Who's going to swerve to the left or the right so they don't have this collision? That's what chicken's about. Now, if I'm Joe Biden, what he's doing, I'm kind of understanding what he's doing and what's something I might do in a negotiation. These people won't back off because they don't want to look weak. So you can sit and negotiate with them and they're going to piddle around trying to get what they want and try to play this game. I feel like Joe Biden, and he's certainly capable of this, is looking at Vladimir Putin saying, all right, motherfucker, go ahead. Show us what you got. Because in his mind, he doesn't think they're going to do it. But he's pushing them to make them do it. They don't want to do it. They know what's going to come if they do it. But Joe Biden, instead of trying to be a nice guy, will say, all right, motherfucker, show us how tough you are. Let's get all the Americans out there because this guy is going to invade. Let's do this. Let's get some troops in here because this guy is going to invade. And now all of a sudden, Vladimir Putin's looking around and go, oh, I fucked up. This went way over my head. This is worse than I thought it was. Now I'm in a tight spot. And maybe that's what Joe Biden's trying to do. Put him in a spot where he can't back out of it. And if he does back out of it, he looks bad. But he has no other option. I don't know if Joe Biden has that in him. I don't know if that's what he's doing. But that's what I might do if I'm in a negotiation. If I believe somebody's not going to do something, now I'm going to force them to do it. I'm going to push them to do it. I'm going to raise the narrative so everybody thinks he's going to do it. So this fucking guy can only end up looking embarrassed. I'm not positive that that's what Joe Biden's doing. Maybe he's truly fearful that these idiots are going to invade. But I got to believe that if they invade, the accountability they're going to have to suffer is going to be insurmountable for for um, the Russians. But here's always been my suggestion. If you've got a problem coming up and you want to throw down some mitigation, do you wait till the problem happened? Do you wait till it explodes and then try to mitigate it? Or do you try to stop it altogether? Do you try to avoid having that happen at all? Do you really want to sacrifice 50,000 Ukrainians and then saying, okay, you did it, so I'm going to fucking punish you? No, you don't do that. Nobody with any common sense. If you have any kind of leverage at all, what you do is you shut them down before they fucking do anything. 
Give them a taste of what they're in for. If you really believe you can do what you say and shut down their economy, fucking do it. Show them. That's the way you deal with a bully. You don't wait till he beats you up and then beat him up. You beat him up before he has a chance to beat you up. Then he runs away and you never have to deal with him again. So for Joe Biden to sit there and say, yeah, we might do sanctions. If you come in here, we'll do sanctions. Fuck that. You amassed 100,000 people on the border of Ukraine. You're bringing in blood. You're bringing in weapons. You're bringing in all kinds of things. All intents and purposes, it looks like you're ready to invade and to fight. What more do I need to know before I fucking punish you? Slap them down now before they do it so you can save some lives. Because once the Russians are in the Ukraine and now you punish them, do you think they're going to pull out? I doubt it. Maybe, but I doubt it. You got to mitigate this situation before it fucking happens, for Christ's sake. And why Joe Biden's not doing that, I haven't a fucking clue. So I'm watching what Joe Biden's doing. I think he's playing tough guy. I think he's trying to pressure Vladimir Putin, but I think he's missing the boat by not slapping this guy down before he does something. He's waiting for them to do it, unless he's absolutely certain that by doing what he's doing can get them to back down. If he believes that, that may be the route he's going. But if he's wrong, then Joe Biden's going to look very fucking stupid. We are the strongest country in America. We are trying to save Ukraine from being invaded. We should do everything we can to stop it. Not to wait till it happens and then get tough. That's not how you deal with things. You try to stop the problem before it fucking happens. So it's going to be interesting to watch and see what happens. If Russia does invade. If Joe Biden does what he's supposed to do. And it, how it ends up. That's the ultimate That's the ultimate thing to look at. How does this end up? Do people die? Does it cause strife and concern in the world? Don't you want to shut it down before it fucking happens? I don't know. I would. If it were something in my family and I knew my family member was going to do something bad, I'd shut it down before he did something bad. That way, I don't have to deal with the problem. I had this issue with my wife one time. When we were younger, we had Christmas at our house. And... uh <laughs> And we had this drawer in our dining room where we kept cash. I don't know why we did that, but we just kept cash. It was just me, my wife, and my two sons who were little at the time. And so we were having this party coming over. It was her side. But I would have done it if it was my side, too, because we had some teenage kids there. And they were all great kids. There's no question about it. But we had a few hundred dollars sitting in a drawer in the dining room. So I went into that drawer and I grabbed that money and I was going to put it someplace else. And she says to me, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm going to move this to a safer place. What, you don't trust my family? I go, no, it's not that so much, but you got teenagers and you don't want to put temptation in front of them. They're not the smartest people in the world. They're immature. They see some money sitting there. They figure they grab it, put it in their pocket. Nobody will miss it. They're not necessarily thieves by nature, but that's a temptation. Why leave that temptation there for them? Because if we leave the temptation, we lose the money, and now we have negative thoughts about our nieces and nephews. It just seems like a logical choice. And she said, no, we need to trust these people. This is my family. Don't worry about it. 
and I'll understand, this could have been my family too. It's, it's, it's not an issue of who's trustworthy or not. It's about human nature. So anyway, we leave the money in the drawer. We have the party, fun, seeing the kids. It was great. After the party, I look in the drawer, fucking money's gone. The money's gone. And I'm not surprised because kids are looking into things and doing all that stuff. You get a 14-year-old kid who sees that money sitting in there, figures it's just sitting there willy-nilly, grabs the money, puts it in his pocket. Doesn't necessarily make a bad kid because he's just stupid. He's 14. And he took it. And then my wife finally understood what happened here. We left a temptation. A dumb person grabbed it and walked away with it. Now we have all these ill feelings about my wife's family. Who did it? Why did they do it? How could they do it? Sometimes you have to take the temptation away. Because sometimes good people do bad things because they don't know any better. They're not bright enough. It doesn't mean that I don't trust your family or my family. You don't leave money sitting out someplace where somebody could grab it. We don't know what's in everybody's lives. You know what it fucking turned out being? It didn't turn out being one of the kids. It was a fucking adult who had a little problem with alcohol, and he grabbed it. So it wasn't even the kids. We got the money back. It wasn't a big deal. But, you know, we could have saved a whole lot of fucking drama and ill ill feelings about people if we would just use some common sense. Well, after that, my wife started to use some common sense. I want to talk about this last thing I want to talk about is the real problems in this country. You can make a laundry list of problems in this country, but I think it comes down. It boils down to three problems in this country, three foundational problems, and that is the lack of integrity, lack of credibility and lack of trust with our government. Those are the three foundational tenets of all that is our government, all that is our country. I mean, when you think about it. We as a people have lost faith in the office of the presidency. We've lost faith in Congress. We've lost faith in the DOJ. We've lost faith in the Supreme Court. We have even lost faith in our own elections. Nobody trusts anything. There is no integrity. There is no credibility. Now, why has this happened? This has happened because of our government and our people in our government. Instead of doing the jobs they were hired for by serving the people that elected them and paying them, they decide instead to enrich themselves, line their pockets, do favors for their rich friends. And by doing this, they got all partisan, Democrat, Republican. That's why the Supreme Court is a problem now. The DOJ appears to be doing nothing because they don't want to get too political. If we need or have hope for this country. We've got to shore up those three tenets, those three pillars in our government. Because if those pillars crumble, everything comes down. It affects everybody and everything. All those other problems don't matter. And what government and the people in government have to understand, this isn't a democratic or republican thing. If these tenets fail, these pillars fail, we're all fucked, and all the Democrats and all the Republicans fall down. We've got an attitude of perception in this country that we can't trust our government, and we can't. They've proved that we can't. 
So these people need to do something to fix it. They have to do the right thing. They have to work for us. They have to do what they were elected for. They have to change the whole perception of who they are and what they're doing because nobody believes them. We have a lot of problems in this country, but if we can't trust our government and our people in it, we have the biggest problem that we could possibly imagine because democracy and our government can't stand if those pillars of those foundation of our government get swept away. If nobody believes anything, if there's no integrity, there's no credibility, we're fucking done. So it's on our government, it's on our people in government to change the narrative, to change the perception of who they are and what they fucking do. Now the question is, will they do it? I don't know. They've done this so many years. Do they have enough common sense, enough foresight to see what the end might be if they don't change? I don't fucking know. But here's, here's my opinion. After all we've been through, If you're not doing something to better this country, to improve this country, to make it a stronger country, if you're not doing that, well, you can fuck right off because you're not worth anything to us. And I don't care if you're fucking president, senator, congressman, mayor, commissioner. I don't care who the fuck you are. You need to change this up. You need to bring back some integrity, some credibility, and you need to come to a point where we as a people can actually fucking trust you. Think about that. All right, we're going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you so much for spending the time listening to me. I want to thank uh, you for sending me the emails and the voicemails. Thanks to Jenna for her wonderful email. You have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.